Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. Hello and welcome to the Ask the Industry podcast, episode 93. I'm comedian Simon Kane and for those of you new to the show, this is the podcast where I interview the most influential people from the world of stand-up, comedy, radio and today, agents. I don't know why my voice went weird then, agents. This podcast is a special one. I recorded it at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival 2017. It was in the Sweets venue in the Grass Market. Thank you very much to JD Henshaw and the entire Sweets team for helping me put this one on. I got three agents in a room to discuss their thoughts and their opinions on everything that you submitted as a question, but everything that we could possibly cover to do with representation, finding the right agent, finding the right people to work with, finding the right way of approaching agents, finding everything you could possibly imagine that would be to do with finding yourself some sort of representation, when you should do it, how you should do it, why you should not do it a certain way, issues, mistakes, everything people make. I'm not going to introduce any of the guests because I get them to do that themselves on the pod. I found that easier to do because it means you can identify their voices. So I'll be very quick with this intro. All I'll say is if you're new here, please do hit that subscribe button. If you're old here, please do give us an honest review in iTunes. And either way, please do consider joining the Facebook group. It's called RC Industry Podcast and it's on Facebook, of course. But now, without any more delays, this is our fourth live panel. Hello, I'm Andy Townsend. I run a company called TGA, which is a uh, talent management company, a small talent talent management company, not a boutique uh, talent management company. It's a word I don't like for various neurotic reasons. Uh, We represent a range of uh, comedians and TV presenters, uh, including people like Sean Kelly from Storage Hunters, Perrier Award winner Brendan Burns, um, some people called The Thinking Drinkers, uh, we're at the Edinburgh Festival. I've got 11 of my acts performing at the festival this year, doing 16 shows. <laughs> Hi, I'm Catcher Balfour Lynn. I work for United Agents and I work in live. Um, I'm Chris Lander. I work for uh, Phil McIntyre Management. We are a management company looking after acts. Um, I've got 11 acts up at the Fringe this year. Um, I've got 18 acts in total. Um, we look after I look after the kind of up and coming acts on our roster we also have another side of our agency that look after some larger profile acts uh, we also have a live department who promote tours etc and we also have a TV department who make TV shows but I specifically look after young up and coming comics and thankfully some of them have come up at the moment which is good 
from so first question would be why don't you like the word boutique because that that feels <laughs> that feels really problematic and like we should get that out of the way early so i don't know it's just uh, it's, it's it's sort of me it sits in the same place as artisan it just kind of <laughs> you know it's just like if you're a small agency just say you're a small agency that's fine right. you know not everyone is a massive organisation. You can be small, that's okay. Be happy with being small. Hopefully, if you want to be bigger, then you can grow to be bigger. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's just a thing. Yeah. Okay, all right. I think, um, and I think that point on you can do great things with small agencies, I absolutely agree is the right thing because I think you, uh, I think the big behemoth agencies, and there are, you know, the, they, they have their strengths, but those ones with, you know, 150 acts are across lots of different boards they don't you know I think there's a lot of dynamism in small agencies I think where you can be sorry it's coffee has just arrived can hear a frisson of excitement yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, Monday morning so, yeah so that's so you know I think that's a look that you know that's I think that's very interesting that's a really I think there's something in that because we're a smallish agency like you know there's only we've got eight people work for our agency and it's quite a you know but we do you know we started off small type thing yeah definitely um i uh, the next question was going to be where you see your agency fitting in with the industry as as a whole like so what what you do differently and why you think it needed to either start or, or exist in the world as as it is right now because i got asked to start it no um Oh, it's a long, a long convoluted story. I got asked, I got asked, which I won't. <laughs> this is just too dull. Um, I used to work in the music industry, used to work in the film industry, and at various points in my music industry career, I worked on the record label side. Various people had said to me, "Oh, you should, you should, you'd be great in management because you, you're great working with the talent. The talent like you, you definitely have a connection with the talent, etc., etc., etc." And I just, I'd avoided it for years for various reasons because in the music industry you're dealing with bands which means that you've generally got a number of personalities to deal with um, and all of the friction and tension and, and foolishness that, that kind of comes with that and I had a good friend who was managing um, a very popular rock band who will become nameless or will remain nameless <laughs> and um, I would speak to him on a regular basis and he was like, oh, guess what happened to me last night? And I'm like, I don't know. I got a call at 4.30am from one of my band members demanding someone go and get them some more cocaine. And I was just like, yeah, I don't want to mess about with that kind of foolishness. But at a, three or four years ago, um, I got asked by someone to come in and s s um, Neil Warnock, who's a music industry guy, who was setting up a comedy department at his company and he asked me to would I come in and set that up for him? Which I did, and then that process has left me a year ago to, to leaving that company and setting up TGA. Went out on my own because I wanted more freedom and I like working uh, in a smaller company and having more control over what I do. Okay. <laughs> I feel like when I first met you, you were at Killy. It's yes. interesting because I do feel like you were that person that the acts would come to and it just seemed quite natural. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, see, at Kelly, I was a promoter, and oof. That's a lot of agents start that's to promote. That's yeah. I mean, that's talk about people talk, I did a, um, I got asked to do a talk at a, um, a uh, college recently, talking about being an entrepreneur and, you know, and, and, and just there was these, these kids were on a business course. Kids, what a patronizing thing to say. They were <laughs> 20. Uh, on this kind of business course, and, and someone asked about 
how you learn stuff and, and kind of learning curves and all that sort of thing. And I just talked about my experience at Killian. It's like that was a fucking vertical learning curve yeah. at certain points, you know, because I didn't, I didn't have a massive promoting background, but went in there and picked up Paul Hollywood, not a comedy thing, but and did two, did sixty dates with Paul Hollywood, that you know, and that was, was massive. Well, yeah, I remember but, that. Yeah. But I that, was, I, mean, that <laughs> ne- I mean, that genuinely nearly broke me, you know. Well. And it's just that sort of thing where. <clears throat> I'm not a natural gambler. Promoting is, in yeah. essence, about gambling, you know, and you can win big, but you can lose big. And, you know, that Hollywood tour was fine in the end, but at certain points, I was just, lo- you know, looking at figures and going, oh my Christ, you know, at a certain point, just I was spending four hours a day on, on Excel sheets, just kind of, you know, doing that. And it, I was just like, yeah, in the end, this just isn't for me. It's just not, and just not much fun. We all know that, you know, the kind of, the, the, the stresses and strains of being an agent, but for all of that, I'm way way happier doing what I do now. Mm. You know? I think I think <coughs> I think promoters and agents are slightly different different uh, types of the same breed. Like, do you know what I mean? I think they're slightly different. Like, there's people because we're obviously a big promoter uh, promoters as well on the other side of the you know on the other side of the desk from me. And those people like Amy and Ed, and they are very a hundred percent. About, about the figures and about yeah. the numbers yeah. and checking ticket sales and loving crowds and stuff like that and they sometimes look at what I have to do as a manager and, and an agent and they go no thanks that yeah. doesn't so that yeah. we are equally as terrified of that thing and, and no, I, that was the thing that struck me because prior to that obviously I'd come from a content background having my, I had a set up an art house um, DVD label and then I worked at PS on their kind of uh, content side and you work in content and you acquire or license a bit of content and you license that for a long period of time for 10 or 15 years or whatever and you release that content if you don't make money from that content initially you have a long period of time in which to amortize any losses and you know pick up some I don't know maybe a TV sale in Australia or you know whatever there's a way of doing that whereas you're Mm -hmm. a promoter if you aren't selling tickets yeah. not selling tickets yeah. you know yeah. and the money isn't on. coming in and it's like the gig is on it's on that yeah. day and if it hasn't sold it hasn't sold and that, that that's a very two very different mindsets mm. and trying to switch from one to the other I found yeah quite quite difficult yeah. I started off in live I actually started off I started and this isn't unusual I started off as a terrible comedian um, <laughs> uh, um, uh, for agents and e- I think everyone starts as a terrible everyone comedian. starts <laughs> as a terrible comedian oh yeah I mean I was yeah, I everybody really, starts well I, oh yeah I, I, I know that but I think I brought a proper special meaning to the word terrible comedian I think it's I, I wanted to do it because I I fell into it because I've, I've always loved comedy I was always a geek about comedy really nerdy like you know everyone else was like recording peel sessions I was like mm. re- listening to prior LPs and mm. stuff like that went and I just wanted to be involved in it I wanted to be part of the gang and you know be part of that kind of you know the excitement of comedy and the first entry level when you don't know anything about the industry you don't know there's an industry you don't know that there's people like us who work in it and there's actually it's a job and stuff and and, you know yeah I went and did open spots in Manchester and did King Gong and did all of you know all of that stuff then went to uni and did, I, went, I actually went and did a PhD and I was setting up a PhD in what? Uh, molecular <laughs> immunology oh wow yeah, cell signalling in T cells was my uh, Cambridge <laughs> I don't know how I got in there administrative error I think mainly um, 
But yeah, set up a gig <laughs> while I was there. <laughs> I, did, I wasn't expecting that. Like, no, it's <laughs> fine. No, 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 it's fine. Yeah, yeah it was a. Re- I mean, yeah. I tell you, yeah, my mum was like, "Hang on, you've done eight years in academia, and now you're quitting to go and work for a comedy agency. What the hell are you doing?" Anyway, but no, I'm glad, much happier then. And it's um, like every comedian's mum, like just like yeah. what you've done the degree. Why oh, yeah, fucking it's giving yeah. it up? Now. I think that's a like universal things of mums going yeah. what? Um, but yeah, so I set up a gig while I was there. I used to work for a music promotions company in Manchester when I was a student, but that was flyering and bill postering and you know all that type of stuff, um, just to pay, just to keep me in beer and pot noodles while I was at uni. And um, yeah, went to went to uni, set up a gig, so I knew how to promote gigs because I'd learnt a bit about it. And nobody in Cambridge did know how to promote gigs, especially stand-up gigs, because I was a stand-up fan and a lot of footlightsy type stuff was mm. all sketch and there's nothing wrong with that footlights are amazing and you know what an institution um but they yeah and then so i started running a gig and then from there it kind of took off that gig and i wasn't having a great time on my phd and i was booking headliners for the show um through various agents and i got to know a couple of agents and then i booked simon munnery for avalon and got talking, got drunk with the, with the booker um, and went, oh, how do you do your job? I like, God, I can't believe you work in comedy. How's, that's really interesting. And she went, oh, we might have a space. Like, someone's leaving. Come and come and take a punt. So I did. Went over there and then had a, had a few great years at Avalon working in their live department. Phil McIntyre as an agency, they had some really big acts. So uh, Ben Elton, Peter Kay, John Cleese, Aid Edmondson, Victoria Woods, and oh god I hope I don't miss someone out um, <laughs> you're going to get an angry Carolina Hearn and Craig Cash <laughs> yeah. um, but those guys you know they were you know they were legends but they're not const- they weren't at that point constantly working every year you know what I mean like they had that ability they could take time off and um, and you know be able to think so Phil just you know they said actually we need some new blood in the agency let's get some youngsters up in part to help support our touring side because you know it, we generate you know, we generate acts into our touring side and get them off the, you know, get them touring as quickly as possible. Um, and yeah, from there, it all kind of spiralled and then they brought me in, I was an agent, I became an agent, had a, an Edinburgh here, I'd signed in, went to there in July, came here with no clients and then came back with five and from then it all spiralled. Yeah, James Acaster was my first client and from then on it all went quite well. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so good choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was not a bad one off the gate. Nice yeah. spot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. So um, and he said, you know, he's been a joy, obviously, to work with. So yeah, so that's how I got into it. It's a bit of a weird route, but um, it, it is a. But it can only be a weird route, it, I think, yeah. because there's no there's no school. There's, there's no school. Like, there's no structure. There's yeah, no, it's no, not like we've gone and got a, an MBA in agenting. Like friends of just <laughs> you know, friends of mine who don't know the industry, they they see. I don't know, yeah, Peter Kay doing the O2 and, you know, what, just big tours or McIntyre being at the O2 for seven years or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and they perceive as comedy as this massive behemoth industry, you yeah. know, and they, I think they sort of think of it as, as, as the music industry, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. you kind of used to talk to them and go, well, actually, no, it's, it's like a cottage industry. It's a cottage industry that generates a lot of revenue, but yeah. actually is a, is a thing. And there's no... There's no structure. There's no way in, and people, people always say, "Oh, how did how did you do that?" And I go, I, "Do you genuinely the the genuine answer as to where I as to where I am now is because when I was at uh, school in the sixth form, I worked for in Cornwall in the 
deep, deep past, I worked for what was then the equivalent of uh, B&Q in their warehouse. And because I worked in the warehouse, they gave me a day's forklift truck training. Right. <laughs> and then I was always going to move to London, and I wanted to kind of work in the music industry, wanted to work in the entertainment industry, massive comedy fan, massive music fan. And I saw an ad. I moved up to London, and about three, week, three weeks in, I saw an ad in the back of the enemy or the military bank going, warehouse workers wanted for rough trade distribution. So oh, I wrote away. This is, pre, this is pre-internet time. I wrote away, came back to the house at some point. It was this house in East Dunwich. Like, it was a six-bed house with, like, 220 <laughs> fucking students living in it. Um, and someone had written on a w- shitty little whiteboard, Andy, call Juliet at rough trade. So I called this number, you know... And again, that thing, when I kind of slide in doors moment, if, if it had been my mate Ian, who inevitably at that time would have been stoned, he would have forgotten, and that wouldn't have happened, I probably wouldn't have been it. So I call up Juliet, go for an interview at Rough Trade, and she says, oh, you know, we just want to work in our goods in department. I go, okay, what's that? She says, blah, 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 blah. She says, oh, yeah. I said, oh, yeah, I, I, I've got a forklift truck driving license. And she went, you can start tomorrow. Yeah. And that's, that literally, like my career path started there. It's just like, that doesn't make any sense yeah. whatsoever. My, you know? my Manchester job, my Manchester promoting job for a company called MCR Music, I was on, it was my, it was my third day at uni. And <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I was a bit off the mic then. Um, terrible okay. mic technique. I told you I was a terrible comic. <laughs> um, uh, I was, yeah, it was my third day of Freshers Week. I was on the Stellar Artois, Manchester University's Freshers Pub Crawl. And I'd had a lot of Stellar Artois. And I walked into, um, bumped into this girl flyering on the street, hammered, and just went, Oh, I I used to do flyering. I didn't. Like, and I was like, I've done flyering. I'd love to do some flyering. And she's like, Cool. Give me your number. She rung me the next day. She's like, Can you can you go to Sankey's tomorrow night and do some flyering? I was like, Yeah. There you go. Fine. And that was it. And then from that moment, yeah. Then you know, we used to promote loads of music bands and stuff like that. And it was more kind of marketing distribution, not yeah. promoting. Mm. But um, but yeah, it was a, yeah exactly. So you don't know. So these things of like when people think. All agents are like, you know, it is, it's a job that you acquire experience because, you know, you go through everything. And, and I think and a huge amount of being an agent is intuition, I think, is about having that type of thing. But we're not, you know, we're not like doctors. We've not gone to like seven years of agent yeah. school to be like, this is how it works and stuff. It's a very interesting, like, we've all kind of got into this in different ways. Like, there's a lot of agents. I can probably think off the top of my head there's three agents that started they went to Edinburgh Uni and they went and flyered at the festival in their first year and they caught the bug and they became you know and they got into fell into comedy that way or I know people who yeah so it's an interesting route into comedy uh, into being an agent very different in the States obviously with that well yeah God much more defined kind of agent assistant structure yeah the mail room if any Acts listening to the show want to know what it's like in America on that. There's a book. There's a book called The Mail Room, which is absolutely phenomenal. It's about it's all these people with like tiny little vignettes of their stories of coming up through the mail room in America and how that works. And it's like like the William Morris Mail Room programs are harder to get in. It's like getting into Harvard Business School. It's like you've got to be. Pro- they are alpha human beings. Those people who get on that, like it's amazing. They're you know and they. And I, I work a lot with a lot of American agents, and we're, we're kind of partners with a few and stuff like that. Yeah, and they, they've worked to get there. <laughs> but then I feel like flyering is almost that system. I do feel like most agents or most people in the industry that have stuck it out 
are the people that have grafted and start off as the flyers and we've all been there we all know and we've got a new batch this year and you kind of those are the people that in a couple of years time will see them being an assistant to someone and yeah, sticking it out yeah, it's it's like you're the other side of what we're doing so like when we start mm. out we're just open mic we're just trying to get our graph we're trying to just work our way up and get to a certain level and it's and I, and I feel like often you're seen as uh, people who've just sort of fallen into a job and therefore you know you, you've got more uh, structure and more um, stability than we have at our end whereas the reality is like you said you start off flying or you start off in a, a B&Q or <laughs> yeah. you know and, and it's sort that of was always the plan that was <laughs> it. Yeah. I know you had a five year plan yeah, that yeah. started with first B&Q first B&Q the world <laughs> <laughs> what I find really interesting is the more people I meet in industry especially in comedy they started in music and moved over and it's and for me that's really fascinating, especially with um, how online people are sort of doing the similar thing to what they did with music about ten years ago, which was like sort of go out, start your own gig, build your own following, and then sort of continue to gig. To them. Well, that's also because a massive chunk of the music industry died on its ass, and there's less jobs in the music industry. So you know that that, that definitely has a well, yeah, that, yeah, that has effect. That, that happened because they didn't move with yes, the times. Yeah, that's yeah. not that's not a thing. And I feel like comedy is actually embracing it a lot more by allowing comedians to put up their co- you know content for the internet or, or, or allowing them to build their own little audience and stuff I mean wh- when you started out how did you gain the, so say you know day one you're back as you know sort of starting out as an agent how did you gain the trust of your first comedian to say look I will help you with your career because I can't because if, you, if you've not got uh, if we so a lot of comedians now we'll ask other people who are represented by that person to say what they like how they, how do they work whether will I get on with them could you get on with them you know have you worked with them in the past if you've not got a back catalogue or a history with with comedians how have you actually built that trust up I remember my first job in an agency was with Glorious Management and I remember Lisa White saying to me your first year is going to be shit <laughs> she was like no one trusts you because so many people come and go you've got to graph that first year and the more you stick around the more people realise you're here to stay and I think it is exactly that and I think for most agents you don't go into an agency and start from scratch with nobody you've got a team around you that will work with you and their clients and then you kind of in a way it's almost like a fringe it's word of mouth and then your reputation grows and the good work that you do kind of spreads and if you stick it out it's great Mm. That's, yeah, I think that's very true. I think that, yeah, you go in and... So, yeah, from my experience, I had worked at Avalon for, you know, a few years. I'd done the comedy network, so I, that's what I was specifically in charge of. So I knew... I was constantly ringing all those comics, you know. I knew Ellis James, I knew John Robbins, I knew Nish, I knew James, because they were doing gigs for me. So they knew that I could work that way. Um, I was also... I, I mean, I coming from an agency that had that you know Phil McIntyre coming into like starting a new agency within an agency so to speak I had that security where I could turn around and go you know like Lucy Ansbro who I who's um, my boss at Phil McIntyre she's the other manager at Phil McIntyre is my boss uh, she you know she's got all those years of experience you know she's like she yeah she works with Caroline she works with Victoria we did Phoenix Nights we did all you know we've taught all these things Phil's been working in this business for I wouldn't like to say when his first gig was, but, uh, <laughs> since the 70s should we say yeah. and, and you know so I mean collectively within that agency we've got hundreds of years of experience like if we add it all up together so you're never it's very few yeah like you said there are very few agencies that 
or a complete island where someone's just gone I think I might be a comedy agent <laughs> like yeah. and then and then that's it and then also I think another point is obviously when we're trying to sign clients we're pitching ourselves as well that's another thing as well like I think there's sometimes I don't think comics realize how much there is it's it's a it's a duality in that in that relationship and the fact that we're pitching us ourselves as agents and going trust me I'm going to be doing a great job and I want I want you as much as you want an agent especially if you've got a client who's talking to a lot of agents and you're trying to inverted commas that you can't say on the podcast win a client <laughs> you know that's the thing so you obviously you have lots of chats with them and meetings and coffees and you try and build up that relationship and you have to you know I think if you click personally with a client as well I think it's very important like if they you know within within you know within that meter that first ever meeting and you know you do that kind of quite cheesy agent question of where do you want to go what do you want to do what do you want to do in your career and they'll say I want to do this this and this and you go right well I think the way to do that is this 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 and this and this what do you think of that as a plan and then if they like the sound of that and it doesn't you know absolutely doesn't always work you know they might tell me actually I don't like the sound of that this other agent's got another plan I prefer that I'm going to go to that agent that's fine Um, and so you build up that you do build up that kind of trust and stuff and then I think it is you're totally and you and Lisa were totally right that first year is always hard because you're not making any money especially if you signed young acts you know if you aren't you aren't making you're not making a lot of money you're taking a lot of losses kind of financially you know the work's not quite there yet because they've not broken through but you're getting to that point but then also I've I've found that there's a bit of a tipping point as well is that once you've had success with an act once you've had that you know it starts you know it really does quickly snowball because like you said comedians will go oh you know for example myself you know like people have seen what I've done with Nish or James and, and they've gone I really like that that's a really good way of that's I'd quite like a bit of James Acaster's career and so but I mean it's and forgetting that it's James who's written all the shows and been a phenomenal comedian for all that time but you know so that's yeah that's definitely a, a thing I think of getting clients I think your, your reputation grows and you know yeah. and you, those are the you know the people who've been around you know your Lisa Thomases your Hannah Chambers those people you know they've got 20 odd years of experience and you know that's why they've got phenomenal acts but yeah and it is you know you talk about those meetings those early meetings it's kind of like going on a date yeah speed you know it's <laughs> that's what it is it's like well what are you about what am I about and you know I do sit in those meetings and you sort of go you know we have to work out do you like me you know because mm. we're gonna have to work together. we're gonna have to work together yeah. you know and it's then and it's and it is very much it's it's a real personal relationships business you know and it and it's and it's just that thing where as an example so I'm working with the death hilarious who are bonkers Welsh sketch duo sort of legal we call we, we describe them as Little Britain directed by Ken Russell <laughs> dark and twisted they're doing their they're doing their first hour um, and they're, they're a unique pair and you know I saw them do six seven minutes at Sketchfest a, a couple of years ago and thought oh there's there's something about them mm-hmm. and you go whoa that's they're interesting need to keep an eye on them need to you know kind of see where they go and then went to went to see them in Cardiff and they did 40 minutes did a 40 minute show in Cardiff which was just absolutely fantastic and then sort of spent some time with them and I kind of had a couple of meetings with them and going look this isn't going to be easy you know it's not this is not a good looking 26 year old 
man in a cool t-shirt talking about tinder it's not going to walk you know walk into other places but you'd be honest with them and go you know this is what you're doing but one of the things that clicks with me and them is that as an example speaking to um darren who's one of them last night and he just he just gone on a a, a head clearing edinburgh walk for a couple of hours yesterday afternoon you know pressure and whatever and it's all of it's all a bit full-on and he said he was playing uh, a band called lightning bolt who are a an American extreme noise, I think they're two bass, one drum band. And I know who Lightning Bolt are, and I love that kind of music. And there's a bond between me and Darren on that kind of extreme, weird, out there music. And we can talk about, we were talking about Om and Sun and Sleep and a whole bunch of other bands that you'd have no fucking idea who they are. <laughs> and my joke with them is like, you aren't gonna find anyone else in the comedy industry who can engage <laughs> with you on that level. But on engaging with them on that level, I understand where they're coming from and what they're trying to do because it's a, you know, it's a it's a kind of deeper thing. So there's a there's a click there, and there's a kind of oh, mm. you get us, yeah. you know, yeah. and I get you. So that then hopefully becomes the core of a a, 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 a successful professional relationship. Yeah. What what I've found since hitting thirty is I now treat dating like you get this bit definitely. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, I get this bit like. Um, so I, I treat it more like, a, not, not at the very early stages, but you treat it more like you are going to a business partnership with someone because, because you do have to work together on, on more fundamental levels than, oh, they're hot or, oh, they're interesting or whatever. You have to be like, oh, do we fundamentally click? Yeah. And, and the more I talk to um, comedians, because I'm trying to independently build my own audience, um, I find sharing small things like that about myself allow people to be turned off or turned on more than they would have done if I just go, well, I'm just funny. Because, so I've got another podcast coming out soon about time travel, and the amount of people that happen to be fascinated by time travel yeah. is insane. And I didn't know that. And if I hadn't have told people that I have an obsession with that, mm. then it wouldn't have, no, then I wouldn't have these people going, oh, let's talk about that for hours on end. And so I understand what you mean by that, because it's like, um, you, you, I suppose what I'm gonna ask is, do you think you work for them or they work for you or, or is it kind of a combination or is it something else? Where, how do you see that uh, partnership? They work for me. They're my, they're my bitches in yeah. time. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's Absolutely. what you like Actually, let me just go back to your previous thing about online because, it, again, that's, that's how things have changed in that the mm. ability to find if you're if you're working in a niche or there's something niche about you mm. about what you do the ability to find yep. that mm. niche and work that niche and use that niche to build an audience yeah. is now available and yes. is now there I'm, I'm, I was just trying to think for example the one of the things that came across my head was uh, Killy, uh, Kiri and Rachel's all filler no killer podcast yeah. Oh, yeah. you know so, it's uh, just uh, something yeah. like something like that it's a podcast about serial killers yeah. but but that can allow you to build an audience and in doing that you are hopefully building an audience of people who, who kind of you know get you you do not you know you don't stumble across a podcast about serial killers do you know you know what i mean uh, you, you kind of yeah. have to you kind of but it's just that you know that the, the, there is now the facility and ability for people to build an audience and all that stuff about those old sort of uh, those sort of business school cliches about you know can you find 10,000 people to give you 10 quid a year, yes, yes, yeah. which there, which is from a comedian's point of view, that you are then a sustainable business. Yep. You know, that that is now a much potentially easier mm. reality yeah. to, to kind of work in. And to we had, yeah, well, I saw that. Um, we had that with Alice James and John Robbins on the radio acting. I mean, yeah. it literally, they went from, you know, some people who were doing 
you know, there or thereabouts, Soho Theatre small room, to Shepherd's Bush, Empire sold out in 10 minutes, to, and then two additional Kentish Town forums. And that was like, and I remember, I remember when we took that tour to them, we, they sat down in the meeting and they were like, we've got your London date, bang, Shepherd's Bush Empire. They were like, what, 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 what? I, uh, I, I saw, uh, yeah, I, I saw Bowie in the, like that and stuff like that. Um, and then it did, that, and those fans, and I think also with online as well, you can you can get a kind of devotion of yeah. fans like and I think especially podcasts I think because it's a very it's an interesting art form where it's it's in your ears it's intimate in that sense that no one else is involved and it's a weekly thing that you know and people do it on oh, right, or it can be a weekly <laughs> like, thing by monthly don't try. right okay or it could be oh so let's say that out it's a regular thing yeah, yeah, yeah. edit point um, <laughs> it's a regular thing um, but I don't have time to do one uh, yeah <laughs> But people, you know, they have that, they garner that thing. And I think also, like, so, like, John and Ellis, like, for example, because um, um, that's, you know, the most involved I've been in one of the, something like that. They get this level of passion, like, so I saw John here on his first night in Edinburgh and someone bought him, just on stage, there was a can of neck oil beer because he's always banging on about how much he loves neck oil beer on the podcast. Someone had just come and put it on the thing and it's like, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't happening five years ago before the yeah. podcast happened yeah. and stuff like that so I think yeah online is a great way and, and also the, the other thing as well is that it, it allows that fan or potential fan to um, find out more about you and delve if there is we work with Gabriel Abulu who's a, a young up and coming comedian he's got a podcast called the three track podcast yeah. he's, a, he's a music obsessive and it's his version of Desert Island Discs we call it Desert Island Discs without all the dull stuff about your family <laughs> where people come on and talk about their three, their three favourite records and it, you know it's, it's starting to build and it's, it's getting a bit of traction and he's you know he's kind of Twitter following through that he's starting to grow but we're now we've now got 20 something podcasts up there and if someone comes in and likes it and gets off on it they can go oh look there's a whole bunch of other stuff and it allows them to engage with Gabe at a much deeper level than kind of then going oh is, is he playing is he going to be you know in my town at some point over the next year and a half on a you know on a kind of mixed bill it just allows the the fan to to spend more time with the you know with the talent it's but then this kind of feeds back into what we were saying about promotion so as much as you say oh I don't want to do promotion anymore yeah, yeah. I feel like every agent or management it all feeds into itself because of online because of all the stuff that you're getting I guess building a brand or building your USP as a comic feeds into building that audience and translating into ticket sales and all of that and that's something that just you can't get away from mm. no matter what part of the industry you're in yeah that's the, that's the thing it's it's uh, show business like yeah. from for my end show comes first business second and and as a result I mean it, it's kind of weird to me when I talk to a comedian who goes you know oh yeah and I just want to do a show and I'm like yeah but mm. you, that means you got to sell a ticket at some point so you <laughs> so you are a business yeah like you can't just go I'm going to put on a show even yeah. here when it's a free friend show you've still got to get people in the door and then ask them for money so um, from my perspective it's quite frustrating when I, when I when it's sort of I, I get that you know Stuart Lee bangs on about how you know 20 years ago the fringe you could come up with half an idea and develop it for the whole mm. thing and I'm like but that's not what this is anymore mm. like this is this is an arts festival that's now a showcase it's not you know and if you want to come up and fly under the radar mm. that's doable yeah but it's definitely not what this is for and I think this place is also a showcase but it's also a weaponized showcase I think yeah. as well yeah. because I think what's happened over since that 20 years ago thing there all the promoters, you know, various promoters have all come in mm. and 
there has been an arms race. You know, I remember the year, like you remember that there's an extra little thing every like year. So, so suddenly someone was walking around with flags on their backpacks and all that. Like, <laughs> the, suddenly the flyers are in luminous jumpers, mm. and you know, like something little changes every single year, and everyone catches up with them. And that's interesting when I, for example, when I talk to the American agents, like about, and they're like, okay, we're sending over this person. They've been on Conan and Colbert, and they've done, they're you know, they're on Variety's top ten acts to watch this year, and they come out here, and I'm just like, don't, this isn't, this is this is not your mm-hmm. playground. This is, but if you do it, you need to come with an American yeah. uh, and a UK partner, sorry, because it's just like you have no idea what you're entering, like the 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 bear pit that it's, this whole place is um, so you know yeah it's an interesting one uh, just going back to your point about it being commercial when I'm having those meetings and conversations with a potential client one of the things that I'm, I will always look at is are they commercial in the sense that do they do they have an awareness of the fact that yes they are in show business yeah. because it's, it's such an easy cop out to be oh I'm creative I don't need to worry about that kind of stuff and it's just like, well, okay, if you want to be on TV, yeah. then I would suggest that you have a certain responsibility to be aware of the TV industry. Do you know who those commissioners are at the BBC? Those people can make a profound difference to your career and yeah. your life and whatever. And to not, at the very, at a very small level, to engage with that, I think is a bit of a kind of just a, 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 it's a certain lack of responsibility about yourself and your career. I'm, I'm not saying you should be... You know, um, you don't have to know the name of every commissioner. But no, you but, know but the but ones you, that you want to be on. You need yeah. to you need to understand that that you are living and performing in a commercial context. Yeah. You know, and it's it, it is a it is a frustration where where you just kind of go don't don't use that. Oh, I'm a creative person. Cop out. That's just slack. It just don't. You know. But also, it's it, I guess you end up, especially with something like Edinburgh Fringe, you end up picking up the pieces because I think a lot of not a lot of acts. Some acts can forget. They are paying money to be here. It costs money to come up. Mm. And I've had it with people doing free franchise saying, oh, I'm not going to do a bucket speech because that's not me and that's not what I want to do. It's like, okay, but you're then accepting that you are paying people to come in and see your show. Yeah, it's like having a very expensive holiday. Yeah. Is what you're having. And like. I would never come up to Edinburgh and think this is where the money is going to be made. It's, it's exactly what we've been saying. It's a showcase and the idea is that the work comes after and you're getting people in and... For me, that also it links into a bit of a self-esteem thing about them. Maybe they feel like they're yeah. not ready. Maybe they feel like, oh, I'm, I'm, ju- I'm just going to try out Edinburgh and see how it goes. And I feel like there are enough festivals around the country. I, I go to about nine or ten every year mm. that you can try stuff out in if you're if you're wanting to do that. But when it when it comes to this particular festival, mm. it, you can't compare it to other ones because it's you know when I spoke to the Brighton Fringe a little while ago, they were like, we don't want to be Edinburgh. Like we yeah. can't, we couldn't handle that many people coming into the city. It just <laughs> yeah, yeah. it wouldn't. Edinburgh can't handle this many people coming into the city. It breaks them. So, you know, why would we want to become another one of those? I I will say one thing on that point, though, on the kind of flying under the radar and trying things out. You can do that, I think, actually. But I think it's all about expectation. Mm. That's the key. Yeah, Yeah. and if if you go up to Edinburgh and, you know, you are... It's your first ever hour. You don't have an agent or a promoter. You've been... You've, you've gone from that, I had a pretty good 20 that I'm getting a couple of paid slots for, and I think I can stretch myself to an hour this year, and I'm in a, n- a nice little, you know, 20-seater free fringe venue, blah, blah, blah. If you go into that going, oh, I'll be on the Apollo in October. <laughs> like, that 
they, they no, obviously, that a little bit further ahead, by the way. <laughs> uh, they've still got slots uh, yeah. oh, for yeah. September. I know it. <laughs> so, um, I'll, I'll send them a tweet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing. That you know that you're gonna have your heart broken because that's not that's not gonna happen. But if you go in there, go not you. Sorry, <laughs> but, you know that, if that act the, hypo- the hypothetical <laughs> that hypothetical act uh, uh, will get the heart broken. But you know I've got. I mean I'm looking after someone this year. We took the decision um, in uh, in the autumn that actually I think it would be a good thing for them to do this year to do. They've never done Edinburgh before. They've done two weeks on a on a like a split in a free fringe show. They probably could have done it. They, well, they could have done it now. They're a very talented comic, and they could have got to that level. But actually, I think this year we thought, do you know what? You've never done a month before. You've got you know um, she's a mum. She's got kids. Like you know you're going to be away from London for a month. That's the first time you've done that. Like let's put you in a package show and get you a forty minute on the free fringe, and then you could actually it will give you that first year of Edinburgh. And you know, like the stresses and the strains and the halfway fringe flu and the you know rolling out of brooks at five and you know all that stuff. You can get all that out of the way without the pressure of I'm going to be putting TV producers in there every night. I'm gonna there's gonna be reviewers in every night. There's gonna all that pressure. But absolutely key to that decision was the act and, and, and me talking about that and going right. So you know that means that actually the year after. Mm is the year after building towards your first year. So think that, you know, as long as you're aware of the time scale we're working on, mm. and that's, I think patience is the biggest thing that I would, impl- that I kind of try and stress to comedians, mm. especially unsigned comedians. It very rarely happens overnight in this business. You very rarely get someone who's gone, you know, graduate, show, bang, like, and they do, and it does happen. There has been, you know, I can think of a handful of people like that. I think they get found out sometimes those comedians because they haven't built. I think the skill set that you you learn, like you like that you're like you personally are learning now at this fringe, it will pay off later down the line. You will get those. You know, you will get. It will all happen. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, I had someone like again going back to that, the act who's doing the forty minute on the free fringe. They forgot a bit of their show, and you know, and I was like, this is the first time that happened to them, and they were like, I can't believe I just forgot like a really strong. That's like my best five minutes of that show and then you go well yeah but do you know what at least you've done that now yeah you and you've forgotten you so you won't that that's a thing that and do you know what you did that without steve bennett the guardian commissioner from bbc one you did you know all that stuff you did you did it in a nice like you've built your skills it's like we, we've all done that like, yeah it's, it's it's not a rarity for no to exactly get something in your well, show. every comic's done yeah. it then so you need to get all those experiences out of the way or like yeah. getting heckled or I mean, shit-faced people walking in, and like, like you know, halfway through the show, like, is this the bar? Like, you know, that, you know, all of those little experiences will end up paying off, I'm and you will get. You can't come to Edinburgh and do a month. It's impossible. Or if it, if you find that you're not doing this, then you're in the wrong job. I think you can't have that much stage time in the same venue every single day and not improve. Like, you've got to improve. You can't not. So. Every year is an improvement thing in Edinburgh. So yeah, you can come up to Edinburgh and do it, do it under the radar and build and build and build here, but accept it's going to cost you a lot of money and B, it's going to take you a long time. But there's no overnight successes in this. It's like football, weirdly, I think now. Like going back to your Stuart Lee point, like twenty like twenty years ago, you know, there was only thirty of us and we could do whatever we want. You know, you know, you get a five star review in the Scotsman and then you've got 
Channel 4 ringing you up going, do you want to take your TV show? It used to happen. Yeah, yeah. Get nominated, you'd get a TV show out mm. of it. It's different. It's a lot more professional now. It's not that thing of, you know, like, again, like football, it's not like you can't have that 10 pints before a game. You know, mm. Brian Robson playing at Old Trafford shit-faced. You can't do that anymore. It's too... It's, 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 you've got to be really good and you've got to work really hard. I, I'm... I'm very goal orientated. I'm someone that sets targets quite a lot for myself just because I have to, because otherwise I'm really lazy. Like if I don't have a deadline, I just don't do it. Yeah, and, it and it's really like that. But what I've discovered, especially in the last year is, um, if I'm doing something new, so if I'm doing something I haven't done before, I'll go, right, I want that done by June, right? But I don't know if that will take me till June. I don't know that that's the amount of time I need to do that. I've never done it before. Yeah. And and I find, especially at the fringe, you, you can overstretch yourself very easily by going, I could do five gigs in a day. That's absolutely that's fine. Yeah. And then you realise, oh, hang on, four of them on the same street, but the one in the middle is on the other side of Princess Street. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to make that. Um, so so I totally agree with you on, on the whole, um, you know, working really hard and, and getting yourself into a fit state for doing Edinburgh. Um, I, I do feel there's there's um, moderation that slightly needs to be done and I feel like you guys do a really good job of, of making sure your act is aware especially someone that's never been here by the way that's not near that you've zoomed out enough on Google Maps it looks near uh-huh. but it's not it's not the, the thing um, wh- when you're um, scouting for acts for example so say you were looking for an act how do you do that and how has the internet changed that if at all I just want to go back just on, okay. on that point just Gad Elmaleh it's a it's a great example of that. You know, Gad, the French comedian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so Gad is massive in France, huge. I mean, just sells sells out arenas. Yeah. And when I was at my previous um, company at UTA, we represented him through the kind of music side, and he started performing in English, did some runs at the Soho Theatre. Yeah, you know, did a lot with Eddie's, I think. Does a lot yeah. with Eddie. He, could sell, he sold out the Royal Albert Hall in London to an exclusively French crowd but he wants to start performing in English and he was banging on to me about Edinburgh I want to do an Edinburgh I want to do an Edinburgh run and I had to sit with him and go that's great but you haven't come up through the circuit you haven't come and done that 20 minutes on a mixed bill and then done your 40 minutes on whatever I am not there is no way I'm going to let you come up and do an Edinburgh run completely ignorant of what it is you've never even been yeah. to the city before I'm not going to drop you in yeah. to the madness that is, yeah, that is Edinburgh so what, we, yeah, so what we did it was like okay look what's going to happen you're going to come to Edinburgh for two or three days we'll find a slot in a 150 cap room it was I think it was a jack dome we put him in and you can do just do one one show so he came booked it Obviously, you know, there's more than 150 French people in Edinburgh at that time. It was sold out within kind of two, two seconds. Um, and just before the show, I was standing with, standing with him, um, and he said, four days ago, I played to 12,000 people in Marseille. Yeah. And tonight, I'm playing to 150 people in Edinburgh, and I'm more nervous tonight. <laughs> but he did the show and then spent two days, and he came back and he went, thank you. He said, if I'd come and done a full month, I probably would have had a, ner- a proper nervous yeah. breakdown two weeks in. And yeah. it's just it ju- just that thing of just, just you know, don't don't yeah. jump in. I remember um, an American comic two years ago, I won't name them, but literally six days in just went, fuck this, yeah. and just, just rung up and just got on a plane. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just that, literally just like, stood up in his floor, came home from his show. I think again, it was one of these people who'd, I've done Conan, I've done, you know, all these yeah, things. Yeah. He's done all the, like in America, it's like proper rising stuff. Mm. Just went, came home, there's two people in again. Yeah. And he just went, packed his suitcase, rung his, I can't remember <laughs> who he was, I don't even know if he had a promoter or whatever. Just went, I'm at Edinburgh Airport, I'm not coming back. 
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Never come back. I think, I think the Fringe is actually doing, before, before we move back into scouting, I think the Fringe is doing a really good job this year of addressing uh, mental health issues for comedians because I feel like for, for a long time they were kind of really supportive of like getting the progression stuff going but now they've got quite a lot of events uh, like a Fringe Central mm-hmm. that are free, including your sort of prize, to, to help you learn how to deal with the stress or how to deal with the, the problems that this Fringe can have. I mean, w- personally, what do you guys do for your acts that help them with mental health problems that they might have or, or stress issues that they, they come into contact with just naturally being at the fringe? It's, it's down to having that, well, that team around you, but also everyone's first Edinburgh is going to be stressful. I mean, everyone's 10th, yeah, yeah it's going to be stressful. Yeah, I was going to say, does it get... Yeah, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, it gets no, that. Because the stresses are different. Yeah. Like, do you mean, like, you think, oh, I'm not selling out my... Yeah. I'm selling out my 50 seat free fringe show, but you're doing the EICC, like 1,200 seats, you're still like, oh, we've only sold 800 tonight, that means it's a three quarters. You know what I mean? Mm. There's still that. Mm. It will never go away, that stress for yeah. comedians. I think, I don't know. I think we're all happy to hear that. Also. I think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, I remember like, with bit, like Bill Burr last year, you know, I remember talking to his promoters and stuff and like, you know, he was had a lo- he loved it by all accounts mm. and stuff like that, but there's still that kind of, it's fucking Bill Burr, do you know what I mean? Like, what have you, you, you would think, you know, what the hell have you got to be worried about? But obviously you do. Like, yeah. But going back to your thing about looking after your comic, like, you know, mental health and stuff like that, a huge part of being an agent and manager, and this is where the kind of differentiation in America is, like mm. the agent manager type thing. Well, over here, we're both, we're kind of, you know, I think there is a, a huge kind of pastoral care part of the job, you know, making sure, like, if, for example, you know, that comics having a really bad time and it might not be to do with the show, it might be to, they might be having family problems, they might be having relationship problems, they might be having, they're not getting on with someone in their flat or, you know what I mean, all the stress and the pressure cooker of, of Edinburgh. Something as simple as going, do you want to come for a cup of tea? Mm. 
Mm. And do you know what? Whinge at me for an hour. Not yeah. in, a, in a nice yeah, way, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or do you know what? What are you doing tomorrow? Do you want to go to the cinema? Let's go and let's go and watch a film tomorrow, or let's go and walk up Arthur's seat. Thank God nobody's taken me up on that. But um, you know what I mean. That thing of that's a huge thing, and also also spotting it before it's going to happen. Mm. I think like if you've got an act who's at you know they're out every night, like you know, there's a kind, then that's fine. You know, enjoy yourself. But if you're out getting mash till six in the morning every day and you've got a midday show <laughs> and you're losing your voice and you're not eating properly and you know just not looking after yourself like you you have to kind of step in and go are you you know come on you've got a job to do here like yeah. <clears throat> he says with a big <laughs> I think that's why going back to what we were talking about earlier that's why it's so important when you have that initial meeting when you're meeting agents is to click with them and to get on with them. Mm. And I think some young acts that just think, I want an agent because that will progress my career and you just go for anyone and I don't care and they'll send out the same email to every single agent. I really like the acts that you represent. (laughs) (laughs) And we all know, we know, and all the agents kind of see the people that are going around all the different agencies. But it's so important to be able to click with your agent and to have that relationship because it is a lot more personal than a normal office job and talking to Sue by the coffee machine. It's yeah, yeah. I, I know things about some of my act. Like, they've talked to me about stuff. I think I say something, then. <laughs> <laughs> like, you I can tell you stuff. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I know stuff that I'm pretty certain they've not even spoke to their... You know, they want to speak to their parents about this stuff. Do you know what I mean? Or, like, or whatever. They talk to mum about a lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Or, like... You're in that level of inner circle. Yeah, and also, yeah. Uh, and you have to know stuff. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, we have to know what's mm-hmm. going on with our acts behind the scenes because actually, you know, you can, you need to know if like, is everything else all right at home, or if you know, sometimes if things aren't all right at home, and suddenly the acts, you know, they're under a lot of s- stress. You cut, you you appreciate that, and you're like, you know, right, this act has come and gone you know massively overreacted to a tiny problem Mm. and you sometimes go okay well actually what else is going on what else is happening behind the the scenes and then you go right okay well maybe this is a thing or yeah like you know and you go specifically about mental health like you know I've you know I've said look I think you need to go and talk to someone about this I think this is an anxiety issue or I think this is a this isn't, you know, this isn't, I don't think you're very well, I think, this, I think this is a health issue and I think you need to go and see a mental health person. Similarly, I've also gone, I will come to a, a, a medical clinic with you because something's happened and you didn't know what to say, you know, you needed someone to call and I'm there sat in a way. That's happened, that's happened here. I've been in, sat in a waiting room with, a, not in this room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doubles up as a, no, yeah, but, you know, yeah. sat in a clinic going like, all right, never mind. This is fine. We can deal with this. We're human beings. Like, you know what I mean? So that's, yeah. You and Edinburgh just exacerbates all that stuff. It's of course a, it's it a does. pressure yeah. cooker. It's a madhouse. Mm. It's when you, and it's such a profoundly dysfunctional environment. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I speak to friends who, who, who go, oh, it must be great. You go, and yeah. spend a month watching comedy. Watch isn't it comedy? Comedy? You go, drink and enjoy yourself. Sorry, that really <laughs> as well. I know. My I know. friends have said that. I literally had a friend uh, before the fringe who just went, oh, you're going to have a great time. I wish I could go to the fringe. It sounds like such a laugh. I was like, it's yeah. not a bloody laugh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It was it's a laugh the first year I came up when I didn't have a show and I wasn't doing much. Yeah. You know, like, but now it's like, fucking hell. But, but, you know, we're, we're all chasing that first Edinburgh as well. Oh my God. We're all chasing that first Edinburgh. I miss as it, a yeah. punter going, 
oh my god isn't this amazing but, but let's go back to the relationship analogy but I think we're all chasing that first time where you're so naive and you're so eager eyed and you're so excited because yeah. you're like oh someone likes me oh yeah. this is a great exciting thing it's the first time blah 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 and then you get jaded and upset and like oh god it's all the same oh it's yeah. always going to be a stupid routine of whatever and like I don't that's being a bit more cynical <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would say yeah. hopefully your relationship has grown and matured and become hey, Simon <laughs> would you like to kind of speak to a professional as well <laughs> <laughs> um, no but my, my point my point is is that your relationship with Edinburgh is like that because I feel like everyone has a great first fringe and then and then they go oh that I'll come back next year and then you realise it's not as good the second year but it is good in other ways yes, and then absolutely. it gets better in other ways yeah. and, and, it, and you keep eventually I feel like it, there's a tipping point where you go oh hang on it's really great because it's great for my career but it's not great for my everything else like it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's uh, do you go wow look I can stay up drinking till 5am with all these <laughs> cool people that's yeah, fantastic that's like comedy, and, then, and then two weeks in you're going I've broken my soul you, you, know, you don't know how much of a lightweight drink <laughs> I can't if you step back objectively from it and you, and you look and again I, I say this you know with acts as well you look at Edinburgh as a process it's kind of mm. we're going to get a bunch of performers who have the confidence to be performers mm. but within a, a, a large number of them one of the reasons why they're performers is probably because there's a call it a flaw or something within them there's an insecurity is a thing that pushes them and, and drives them to go on stage we're going to get them we're going to get them to perform almost every day for a month yeah. in front of their peers their industry people who potentially can make a profound difference to their career and therefore mm. their life and an audience and we're going to do that in a city that has one of the daftest drinking cultures in you know in Europe and also, when you go through that process, you are potentially going to lose thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds, mm. you know, it's because of the nature of it. And you say that to someone who doesn't know, and they just go, you are genuinely all mental. You know, I, I had an act whose dad was an accountant, and they looked at the... <laughs> the, looked at, looked at the <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah. I love it. My, my, dad, my dad looked at my budget for this fringe, because I've got one. Apparently, that's a good idea. It's yeah. not. It makes you sad. Oh. Um, and I have a little uh, one, one column for chocolate, because obviously <laughs> I need that. You have your alcohol, I have chocolate. Um, but I I showed it to my dad and my dad was like you're not going to I know I'm not going to make any money like, but I know that going into it yes. I know it's an investment I know that I'm paying to be better and I'd rather pay to be better than sitting in London not getting better and it doesn't make any sense I mean if you can't afford it I get it it is, it is not elitist in that way but it does rule out a lot of people who can't afford to do it and I'm very privileged to be here even in the mornings when I get up and I go oh for fuck's sake like I know that I've got a fucking ridiculous opportunity here that I might not have next year because I might not afford enough money to, to do it or whatever and I and, and, and I don't take it for granted in any way, shape, or form. But it is one of those things where I have to presume that every penny I put in is not going to come back. Yeah. Because as an independent performer, specifically, I don't have an agent or someone who could foot the bill or could take some of the bill off me. And so um, it, it's kind of amusing to me that that you know that Axe parent would even bother looking at it because a they're not in the industry, so they don't have a bloody clue. And b the fact that they would even think you know profits on the cards is a lovely you know pipe dream for a lot of people, but also don't start with that as a goal. Like, I don't think that ever should be a goal in, in, in an Edinburgh show. But and then, th you know... And I think, going back to that point of I, do, I don't have an agent and stuff like that, yeah, I think... And that's, that's the thing, you... I think it's, like, with the, you know, the explosion of the free fringe and heroes and, you know, we'll pay what you want, all that stuff, I think it's a lot easier... It's a lot cheaper for comics to come up here than it used to be where, you know, you don't have to do that in the Pleasant Courtyard. You need, you know, four-sheet posters everywhere which cost <laughs> hundreds... You know, all of that stuff... And I think what you can do as an act now, certainly, is get good enough. Again, going back to my point I made earlier about that, using it as a training ground to get better and better and better, until that point where you're so good that 
They can't ignore you. You can't ignore you. And we, I mean, as an agency, we pay for our acts. Edinburgh it's lock, stock and barrel. We cover everything. Like it's a, it, we, you, if you're going to lose £12,000, we'll swallow it. But that's fine. But to get to that level as well, and as an agent, I need to go, right, well, if I'm going to be spending... 12, you know, you know, could potentially be thirty, forty thousand pounds in Edinburgh before you know if they have four or five Edinburghs where it's not quite popped, and also remembering that I've got to make that from fifteen percent of their earnings. It's mm, not, yeah. you know, like it's that's a lot of money. But if they're that good and I believe in them, I'll do it and I'll take that risk. And you know, for you know, again going back to James for you know first client, James didn't make any money in his first Edinburgh, didn't make any money in his second Edinburgh, didn't make any money, you know. It was a slow progression of him kind of making it, but you know, you get to a there is a tipping point in Edinburgh. You know, you look at those acts in you know the assembly on the mound or EICC or those ones, they're making a decent amount of money out of Edinburgh, but there's no one in those venues who hasn't either come in from, for example, Bill Burr coming in and 20 years of road experience and American Netflix specials, etc., etc., or you know, someone like Milton Jones who. 93, did Milton get nominated for the Perrier? Like, fucking hell. Like, you know, that's pretty impressive. I think think a big misconception about agents is that you're just going to come in and solve everything. Because, (laughs) no, I know you're not, by the way. (laughs) But that's why I said a misconception. But I I think a a lot of comedians, especially when they start out, see a a very established comedian, see the pattern in that those established comedians have agents and put correlation and causation together and go... Oh, an agent solves it. That I don't understand the industry. They'll they'll deal with it. How do you manage that level of expectation? If, for example, you really like an act, you think they're great, you think they're going to be amazing, but their their perception is you're going to do all the work. Um, I probably wouldn't get involved with that act. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Because I why? Because agree. because why? There, there's definitely a. You will find that you're working with you. You take on a client. And then suddenly they go, oh, I've got an agent now. Yeah. I don't need to do anything. Yeah. And that's just not how it works. No. You know, there's, it, is, it is very much a relationship and a, and a kind of 50-50 relationship. We cannot, we can't, um, you know, we can potentially open doors. We can, you know, do all the stuff that we do. But it, it has to come, the drive has to come from the act. From yeah. the talent, yeah. that's you know we, that's that. We're, all, all we are doing, in essence, is facilitating that. And yeah. We can advise, and we can shape, and we can help, but it has to come, mm. has to come from them. Yeah. You know, anyone who thinks that oh, I've got an agent now, I am going to be on the Apollo within mm. eighteen months, is, yeah. is just living it's in just a you know living in a dream. And you, and you again goes back to that you know that initial. Um, that chat. Initial, initial chat where someone goes, oh, I want to be on Mock the Week. And you go, okay, right, let me talk you through this. Is that what you yeah. want? Yeah, exactly. Well, if, if that's the sum total of your, your ambitions, then I'm not interested. But also, you're at Edinburgh, there's a thousand comedy shows on. Mm. And there are that number of slots on Mock yeah. the Week. You know, it's, can, you, can you see how tight that filter gets yeah. at the top? And you in know, order to get on that, they're, sorry, just very specifically, because I talk a lot about to comics about Mock the Week and stuff like that. To get on that those bit, those small slots. You then need to unseat someone who's there. Yes. Yeah. So you need to unseat, you know, James Acaster or Josh Widdicombe or Rob Beckett or you know Tiff Stevenson or Sarah Pascoe or you know all those people. You have to be better than them mm. to get on that because it's not fair otherwise, is it? Because if you were if you were one of those acts and someone they've got there through merit and hard work, so you shouldn't 
you shouldn't have to do you know what I mean it's really like you can't be like oh they get everything it's like but yeah well they've got everything because they're good. brilliant and they've worked really but, hard but the but from from my perspective on it as a performer who's never done a panel show or yeah. at least never a TV panel show mm-hmm. you th- that is a totally different skill set I mean obviously on Motley they've got that stand up sort of yeah. section and stuff and, and you know they've got uh, again but that that's in an artificial studio setting where they've been given the stuff beforehand and you know all that kind of stuff mm. so um, f- from my perspective it's like how do you get to be good at that so it's, it's sort of the internship problem you know how do you get the job without having the experience if you can't get into the experience you yeah, know I think I think also I think well to answer that specific question on panel shows the way I would suggest you get experience at panel shows is once and then this is actually probably where an agent does ha- help because you know, there's all these panel shows, and there's also there's a lot of panel shows that have never seen the light of day, where they've done office run-throughs at the production companies, or they've, you know, they've booked out the Pleasance and Islington, and they've done a live version or something like that. They all happen, and they when they're booking those, when the the, the production companies are booking those things, they come to agents, and actually I can go, right, I've got this act. They're probably not ready for when this goes. Uh, when this, you know, when you figured this out and it actually gets commissioned, it's on telly. They're probably not ready for that. But I know you're doing office run-throughs. I know it's only fifty quid or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, but go and do it. And then again, you say to that comic, use that as it's training. Like it's pre-season training. Like I use that phrase all the time. Like use this as preparation for the moment when you get on on that. And then also, once those acts go on those panel shows, every single one's different and. You don't like the. It's really funny. You see that, like, you can see people the first time they go on Mother Week. You can see it even like when you're in in the in the green room watching the record happen live. You can go, ah, they're not going to do that again next. That was a mistake this time. And you see a lot of comics go sometimes on the first time they do the panel shows. They go really out the gate like ah, and it's like no, just sit back. And and that first ten minutes of them won't be in the edit, like you know it. But thankfully they've got it out of the way, so they've they've got it all out of them, and they can relax and that kind of thing. But so the comics still learn, like the comics are learning. You know, you, it, it's that thing. It is that thing. Yeah, I think once you've again, you will, will always continue to climb as a comedian. And even you know, even even like Seinfeld said that. Do you know what I mean? He's like, you if you stop learning, then something's gone wrong. Like, so yeah. So in order like building, that's where an agent can help. I think mm. you know what I mean because those opportunities are are rarely offered. They're not. They're not going to stick that on. You know, <laughs> on like the, I don't even. They're still going anymore. No, but some like an open for like the comedy forum on Facebook or something like that. They're not going to. They're not going to put that on there. Yeah, you know what I mean. But that's the thing. But just, no, just have a look at my forum. Don't worry about but it. Then <laughs> yeah. But then also, but then also, like, but you need that try. You need that practice. But also, you, it is a risk because if you go to that, mm. you go to that trial in front of those production company execs and stuff like that. that's the first time they've seen you because you know a lot of the production companies they work in tv they don't work in comedy mm. like they work in comedy tv but they not they're not out at the circuit every night they're certainly not going to open mic nights and those things of unpaid nights they might maybe go to old, like something like old rope on a monday to see a specific person yeah. who's doing something for them for another project but they um but yeah so you, you so they need to be good enough mm. before you put them in there. So if you put someone in there who's absolutely just going to, they're not, you know, they've got, they're still at that, they've not done a first hour in Edinburgh yet, they've not, you know, they haven't got those, you know, they haven't earned their stripes. Mm. You put them in front of a load of TV execs and they just 
flail and don't know what they're doing. That will stick in that exact... Like, and, and I'm guilty of this sometimes. I remember seeing acts five or six years ago and going, oh, that wasn't very good. And then, and then kind of thinking, oh, they're not very good, that act. And you need to go, no, you need to knock that thought out of your head and go, no, I need to see what they're up to now because five years is an enormous amount of time for a comedian to progress. And I have seen that. I've gone, whoa, you're loads better than the last time I saw you. That's brilliant. Like, well done. Like, but that, that's an interesting disconnect that I think, because uh, because TV people don't really spend much time on the on, on the circuit, and they can't. I get it. They've got like a day job to go out in the evening as well. Mm. Is is a pain, as you all know. You do that as well. But it, it there, there's a there's a too much I feel of a disconnect between um, live work and and now TV because so many things that you would do on TV are not something you would get good training for on the live circuit. Mm. And so you know, as you said, I, I like the idea of doing that sort of behind the scenes training in 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 uh, office was it called office run through yeah office run through, office run through. Um, I mean if you uh, obviously it's a judgement call and as you said at the start a lot of being an agent is that sort of gut instinct and stuff but is there ever a time where you have to say to someone look you've done a load of these office run throughs you have not gone well I just I just don't think TV panel shows are for you how, how do you handle that delicate situation uh, delivering bad news and that kind of stuff is the worst part of the job yeah. and having to say sorry that you know you went on that run through and they passed for every you, you know you did your best and it, again it, it comes down to your relationship with that talent because if if you've built that relationship with that talent and you have started working with them because you can see a future for them and a career for them and a career arc and, and some kind of path then you would hopefully you wouldn't necessarily get into that situation because you haven't put them forward for for that route because you know them and what they do well enough that you know their strengths you know mm. what they're good at so you know there are acts of buying where you go there's just there's just almost no point in putting you forward for that kind of thing because that's not you're you're not what tv are looking for that's not where your strength is that's not the environment in which you perform at your best so let's not and, it, and then it comes from that you know that those early conversations going what do you want where do you see yourself where do you you know and, and I I'm always wary of that kind of I want to be on mock the week I want to be on a panel, panel show thing because it's it's so competitive mm. and it's also it's such a if you if you don't if you don't get that and you go, go don't go down that route where are you going to go then What's what you know? What are you doing? What are the other parts of your career? What are the interesting things that that you're doing? Mm. It's like nowadays, it's almost like just being a stand-up almost isn't enough mm. in that mm. sense. There needs to be you know other things that you've got yeah. you've got going on. I work with you know with Shane Todd, and Shane's a Northern Ireland-based stand-up, fantastic stand-up, but he also does kind of characters and does mm. TV presenting and, and write just a whole bunch of stuff that you know he does. He will regularly he will text me. I'm sure he won't mind me saying this. Um, he will text me and go, "Oh, I've filmed a video with uh, with Michael uh, on Wednesday. Put it up uh, on uh, on Facebook last night." And you go and let it go. Oh, that's got two hundred and fifty thousand views on Facebook overnight. Well done, mate. That's fantastic. <laughs> Great, amazing. Could have given me a couple of days' warning just yeah. so we could yeah. respect people for it. And you yeah, know, yeah, kind yeah. of. But that's but but that enthusiasm, that energy yeah, is great. Yeah. But it's also kind of that gives me 
when I'm speaking to the broader industry about chain, there's other things that I can talk about. This, mm. you know, there's this. Okay, so maybe you're not ready for the panel shows yet, yeah. but he's doing this whole kind of character stuff that can feed into all sorts of other places and can help your career and can generate income and you know and, and work develop what and develop what you're doing. The, the first agent I ever like had that came to see me afterwards, we had a chat like at the end of the gig, and they said, "Oh, so what do you do?" And I went, well, "I'm just funny," and like they were like. And, and uh, it was a really weird opening, like eye-opening moment where I was like, "Oh, you want? Oh, oh, it's not good enough that you thought I was funny and you came. Oh, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. I haven't got anything else to offer you right now. <laughs> and, I, and I know that's why they probably didn't want me, or they didn't want to move forward, or whatever. I mean, mm. we stayed in touch, but like, you, you still feel like I can't just say I do that. I have to now say I also write for this person, or I do this for this person, or I, I edit for this person, or whatever it is, yeah. um, because because you're." Uh, ultimately looking ahead and we're always kind of I feel like looking sort of a, a little bit ahead but not as far as, as you guys might be because you'll be looking at someone going I can sign them that's a five-year plan for them to get to the goal they really want would that be fair to yeah yeah but also it's a sign of an act you know that's going to be proactive and it's what we were saying before yeah. you can't just get an agent and then assume right I'm going to start getting the work flooding in we have to be able to work with something. We have to be able to say, oh, look at Shane's video. Yeah. This is something he's doing. This is really interesting. Go back to scouting for mm. talent. Yeah. How do you scout for talent? And how has the internet, if at all, impacted that? I don't think, sorry. Uh, um, I, didn't, I don't think there is, there's no prescribed way of finding talent. I think I've certainly has, have changed my way how I, I found talent. I mean, I was lucky when I started that I knew people, like, as it, cause it goes back to I was running the comedy network, I knew who had agents and uh, so was not, you know, not on my radar. I knew who didn't have an agent. I knew some people who were unhappy with their agent and about to leave, you know, so I managed to get that little thing, you know, like, find and find, you know, get some clients. Then what also I find roles a lot and actually as important as a hi i really like your axe emails please watch my five minute video below <laughs> i'm doing so you think you're funny next week you know that le like 10 times 100 times more important than that is if one of my acts turns around and goes oh i sell i saw xyz last night it was fucking incredible you need to go and see them that will make me go right i'm gonna go and see them straight away um you also hear like it's you also, you just hear about acts, like, do you know what I mean? Like, you know who, like, just by being around it and hearing, you know, like, by see, you know who's like, oh, there's this newcomer over in, you know, at the free fringe at the grass market room, and he's like, I've heard he's amazing, nobody's heard of him before. Like, you'll find those, uh, you'll find those acts, like, you just, because you have to have your ear to the ground as an agent and stuff like that. I very all competitions is a really good one. Like you know, we all go to the competitions and we and we look at you know we sit at the back and go, oh, he's quite good. He might have something. I wonder if wonder what happens after this competition set. That's always a funny one. You have these people who continually win competitions and then you yeah. find out they haven't got more than seven minutes worth <laughs> of material because they've got an amazing and that can be you know there's there's someone who wants to say you think you're funny and then they talk to Mark Olver last night about it and there was someone who won it his year and then they quit comedy after. 18 months because they didn't yeah, yeah. they didn't have any more gear they didn't kick on and that will happen that's really important for acts who do that um, you know the, the competition route um, is that you've got to be prepared for the plateau because it's gonna happen like because you've worked really hard to get mm. the seven then you've got to get to an out like and it's gonna that that bit in there 
it's going to be awful yeah. and you need to be really prepped for it because it's going to be and that's not a specific amount of time either that's that's that could be one year that could be 10 years yeah, absolutely yeah. yeah it could be anything you know and um and i think the pressure to do a new hour every year doesn't help a lot of comedians who no. just their process takes a bit longer yeah absolutely yeah. i think that's again as no agent is the same no comic is the same everyone works completely differently so you know there are those acts that do you know what maybe coming up with a big management company and a promoter behind them and blah blah, blah you know all the bells and whistles and and that that might make the act feel really pressured and they might go actually do you know what i prefer doing the free fringe and i like sorting out my own flyers and my posters and what i'd like you to do is just do the stuff in the background and you know, let me do all of that because I don't want the pressure of you, you know, of feeling like I need I'm working for the people, so to speak. Um, so yeah, that's a very, you know, that thing. So I think ultimately the way we scout talent is brilliant comics rise to our, uh, you know, they co- they come come into our field of vision. We find out about them by sheer like if you're brilliant, all the agents are going to find out eventually, and then the next step after that is once you've got an agent, then they their job is to take you up to the people above them, telly people, commissioners, venue bookers, tour promoters, etc., etc., and go, they help you the next step. That's what they do. So, yeah, so scouting. I mean, please stop. Please, to all comedians, stop sending us emails going, how can I have this and this and this? Because, you know, you just get it before the fringe. Like, every day you're getting, you know, 10, 20 of them emails just being like, oh, or, do you know, if you want to talk to, if you want to get an agent to come see you, yeah, talk to someone on their books, talk to someone, like, get a recommendation that way. And you know what, but then again, I mean, I've been handed a flyer on the mile and I've gone, that looks quite good. I'll take a punt on that. Very rarely has that happened, I will stress, but, you know, you do find that. And, yeah, so the kind of, you know, cream rises to the top. That's the best way. Yeah. The best way to get signed is be brilliant. Be brilliant. Yeah, just, <laughs> just do that. Yeah. Really simple. Yeah, it's really simple. Yeah. But that, going back to that online thing, the thing that online does is that it just, uh, if, you're, if you're looking at talent and you might, or you might hear of someone and so, someone says, oh, there's a, uh, someone from, speaking of someone from Manchester, there's someone on a, on a middle, middle of a bill the other day and it was really good, really strong. Now, pre, pre-internet, pre-online, it was just like, oh, okay, well, how do you, how do you find out about that person? How do you see what, like, whereas now you can at least search them out, there may well be some video there, there may well be somewhere yeah. of contact. And then the other thing is that you, it, what it also potentially allows you to do is you, you can find out about that person and you go, well, hang on a second, they've got two and a half thousand Twitter followers. Well, that's interesting. There's, yeah. ob- there's obviously, they're obviously wow. doing, se- there's obviously doing something that has drawn those people towards them, you know, and it allows, allows yeah. you to at least kind of quantify that there's an audience, however small, for what they do. Yeah, and the, and the internet and that thing, yeah, exactly that. You can actually do a, you can do a bit of kind of digging, so to speak, on the comedian before you find them. And like, there's times when I've gone, you know, I've, maybe been a bit slow to, to hearing about someone or whatever and you've gone oh, I've heard, oh I saw that person they were amazing or I heard about that person and you google them straight away and it's like oh they've already got an agent oh right okay fine I'm not yeah. you know what I mean yeah. like that and you know that usually actually that's the first thing I do if I if I get really excited by someone and I go oh I want to I want to sign that person the first thing I do is like are they already represented by someone because if they are I'm not going to go after them because it's that's not a cool thing to do like that's that, that's interesting if you knew an act was represented by someone yeah but you and you I mean you never fully know because you don't know what's going on behind the scenes but if you felt like based on who you already represent or based on who you've worked with before you could do something to, uh, to help oh, them out yeah. w- would you not be would you not have a sort of an impetus to at least reach out and say 
Let's have a coffee. No. 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 Okay. Absolutely not. It's Doesn't not cool. It's right. absolutely so, so not the it's not the way. There's like a an excuse the f- excuse the phrase, <laughs> but there's a bit of an there's an honour amongst thieves in it with agents. Like we we all have to because you know if I start poaching your rack or whatever you know vice versa, we all start you know needling in each other's getting into other people's ears. I mean there are agents who do it and they they are well known and mm. you know and you're a bit like you you know you're a bit wary of them. But then it's also it's not. I think having a strong business ethic is also what a clock comic looks for in an agent. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think, so... You can't buy integrity. No, no, exactly. And the minute you do start messing with that, it, it doesn't do you any good as an agent. And I think it doesn't do us... As an industry, it doesn't do as well. It doesn't serve any of our purposes. We're actually all... It's too small, this industry, in terms of people who... The amount of people who work in it... We're all going in the same direction. We all want the best for it. And there are acts. I mean, I, I, I won't name them, but there are five acts immediately that I can think of when you were saying that. I was like, God, I'd love to manage that act. I love that act. I think they're brilliant. Or I think that agent's not doing a great job with that act. They should be. If I was doing it, I'd be doing this, 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 mm-hmm. and this. But it's not my place. Like, you know, it's not my place to say. Because also, I would... I would hate to think other people are doing that to yeah. my acts. I would hate... I mean, it is probably yeah. happening, in fact. I've been in Edinburgh, and I've had an act come up to me and go, this agent's given me his card, and I know that agent, and I, they know that that client is my, my act. And so I was like, right, just give me that card, and I kept it in my wallet, and I saw them a couple of days later, and I just went, oh, you gave that to my act the other day. You yeah. don't need to do that. And it was that thing where they looked very sheepish and went very kind of like, oh, like you know. And, and then you, go, you just kind of, it was a knowing look and you were like, please don't do that again. <laughs> but, but my, but, okay, so, but you also said that if someone wasn't happy with their agent, you yeah. might do it. Oh, no, how they were happy. They how could. do you know, though, that they're not happy? Because uh, how uncomfortable is, I mean, is it more uncomfortable for the comedian at that point to approach you? Or what, well, think, what, what well, would be your ha- way? That, that happens. Comedians with agents have approached me and gone I'm, I'm not very happy I'd like to leave if that act I would like to take on what I say is right well go and speak to your agent yeah. and tell them why they're why you're unhappy because yeah. that's common courtesy at a basic level mm-hmm. is you should and that person is because also that person that agent might not know that you've got those problems you know you might not have spoken to them about that um, and so first thing, go and speak to your agent and try and fix it. And if you are unhappy, right, leave your agent and then I'll sign you. Like, do you know what I mean? Leave. Also, don't stay, because, you know, in, to my mind as a performer, if I'm with a job, often yeah. they say stay in the job because you look better to another job if you've got a job. And in my mind, that works the same with agents. If you've got an agent, talk to another agent while you've got the agent so they don't think, oh, ha- what, what happened there? What went wrong there? It's like you're deciding. No, just, just be very, very very above board about it again yeah, again, yeah. As, as Chris said I've, I've sort of had that situation before and you, you've had to say go back go and have that conversation with your agent go and try and sort out those problems you know it's if you're unhappy well that's that's unfortunate go and try and sort that out talk to them talk to them talk to them it's all about the personal relationship if it, you then believe that that still isn't going to work then leave your agent and then once you've left your agent we can have a conversation yeah. just because don't don't want to be in that situation before where but don't want to be in that situation where you're having a conversation with someone they're still yeah. represented by someone else it's, it's too small an industry we all know each other it's just it's yeah. just and not also, the done thing I like that about 
comedy agency at the moment, I think, as well. And I think this is, and it's been remarked on, like, you know, this is a thing. I think this, this, the kind of newer generation of agents are, um, we are all friends. We are, you know, we all speak to each other. We all do, you know, so you don't want to piss your friends off. You don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be a dick to your mates. Yeah. And like, you know, and I would think, you know, if one of my friends who's an agent was starting doing that to me, I'd be like, fuck are you doing like why would you do that to me like don't try and nick my axe and also it's a waste of our time yeah. like every time we're trying to because I in fact I was in in LA and I was in the offices of one of the biggest agents in the world probably are the biggest agency in the world this office is like the death star it's absolutely enormous thousands of people working there Rothko's in the in the lobby all that all that trappings of LA and I was sat in this office I know the very place yes <laughs> um, and we were sat there and I was sat having a chat at like just a meeting because I co-managed a couple of agents uh, clients with them and blah 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 and we were in that room and the agent in America said oh my god it's so sweet in England they don't or in Britain they don't steal each other's clients and they were really they thought it was like a kind of real parochial kind yeah. of sweet thing and I was like of course we don't and this, and I don't know, one of the Brads, they're all called Brad. Um, <laughs> um, um, Brad went, oh my God, I spend, I'm not even joking, 50% of my time is protecting my clients from being poached or poaching other clients. And I turned around and went, well, you're wasting half your time then. Mm. You're not doing 100% of your job for your clients. Your job's not, is to service your clients, not... And, and it's also not as though there's a shortage of talent. That's you know, not, yeah. None of us are going, are oh God, a, I haven't got enough acts. You know, a, yeah. We could all, if we had the time or the infrastructure, we could all probably take on another five or ten acts yeah. because there's no shortage of talent. You don't need to yeah. go just, and poach other people. Yeah, it's talent. very much it's a buyer's not. market at the moment, yeah. I think, for it's agents. I think it's, I think there's not, also there's, there's, a, few, there's a few agents, uh, in, I think in the last five years, there's less agents. I think yeah. that's really how yeah. that's you know has really put yeah. a lot of pressure on yeah, like please. god I'm telling like I'm telling like occasionally like yeah when you go to the, like those uni things and stuff like that I'm just like be a fucking agent there's loads of jobs going <laughs> like you know because it's like you know there's there's not a lot of us and there's more comics than agents so we can be really picky and then that again that goes back to slightly circles around to the what happens when you see someone else another agent's acts that you love then it's just like well that's all right. There'll, there'll be another brilliant act coming, you know, around the corner that I can work with, hopefully. I guess the, the, the thing there is that you've got a massive pool of talent, you've got a certain number of agents, but then it's the outlets, it's the places to put mm -hmm. that talent and yeah. place that talent, yeah. which is kind of, that's that's in, in a weird place at the moment in terms of kind of TV and, and online and, and all that as, mm. to, as to where that works. Yeah. Uh, I just, just something just struck me, uh, when you were talking about pastoral care for the talent, I think that needs to be... Uh, extended explicitly to all of the industry that's around the talent as well particularly Edinburgh mm. you know just for the like the kind of flyers and everything oh yeah. like, you know I mean you, you worry about the clients having you know having a tough time and a hard time but you know 18, 18 19 years old and, and just in the range yeah. with a, yeah, with just a droopy a, flyer you know, just, and a luminous yellow coat on yeah no no the people that work behind the scenes don't get enough credit at all and, it, and it, but that's the same all, all, all year round I think in, yeah. in, in venues mm. and, and, and places um, I think a good place to end would be just to say uh, you can answer either one of these questions whatever one you want to answer so maybe um, if there's a common mistake people make when they are thinking about 
trying to progress to have an agent, um, what do you think that would be and how would you change that if you could stop them from doing it completely? Or uh, if you had one bit of advice for a comedian who wanted an agent but is just not sure where to even start trying to ascertain. Because it's hard to get a coffee with you. You know, you're very busy. So if we don't know what you're about and what you're doing, how do we even start to work out who is a good person to approach? You've got to graft. Go on the circuit, <laughs> graft find your comedy chums build up that way there's too many acts looking for agents too early yeah way too early and then sending you an email every week saying will you meet with me will you meet with me over and over again and that's going to put us off that's going to put us off because you don't need them and this actually hopefully might answer both of those questions my one bit of advice and before i came to this podcast i i had this in my head already don't let us come to you that is my advice. We will find you, like if we are, <laughs> and we will kill you, and we will take your skin and you make so puppets. Right. But, yeah, I know. Sorry, but no, we will find brilliant acts. Like rise, and also this kind of cyclical. Don't just sign for the first agent who signs an in- mm. who shows an interest, mm. because what you can do is you can get to that level, and you know if you're that good, you should be having meetings with five or six, seven different agents every because. You need to do. You need to do your due diligence. You need to find that person who's... You might be that first person. You might go and... Actually, that first person is the best person, but at least I'm going to meet that person, that person, that person, that person. Find out what they do. And then, actually, oh, yeah, they might be that person. But to be honest, if you don't know how to get an agent, you're not ready to have an agent. That's the simple thing. And actually, do you know what? For a lot of of clients, they sometimes... like uh, Not clients, agents. Not agents and comics... They sign people way too early sometimes, I think. And it ends up being... And they sign them because you go, I reckon they're going to be brilliant in five years' time. What happens is that gets kind of stuck in that agency a little bit and they maybe might not progress as as best they can. Whilst they're progressing, they're paying that agent 15% of their live work, especially because mainly it's live work, you know, at that stage, you know, your club gigs and all that type of stuff. Why you? Why you as a comic? Are you giving someone fifteen percent for something that you can do yourself? Why do that? You don't need. If you, I think most comedians should be able to fill their live diary. I think they should be able to get circuit gigs, and and it's actually why, as an agency, we don't do circuit Neither gigs. Do we. we don't look after it. It's not our job. And also, I. I can't be asked taking fifteen percent of eighty quid for some middle spot. X, you know what I mean? Because I have to then, you know, it's not worth my time. It's not worth, well, it's not worth £12. Like, you know, <laughs> like that's how much commission I would make to go. For the 24 emails that you get. Exactly, yeah. 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 Checking that they're on the website, ringing up, making sure they know the right place. What happens when that act is ill and I have to pull them? And then it's hard, it's, an, it's an afternoon ringing round. Like, bollocks to that. You can do it yourself. And also, do you know, but then the flip side is, do you know how to get the head of comedy into your, into your sh- from the BBC into your show? Well, no, I can because I know him quite well. So, and he trusts my opinion and will come and see my acts. So, yeah, like that's when you need an agent. But, you know, if you're. I remember having. I remember an act, an act coming to me going. Again, it wasn't an act I managed, but they went, oh, someone's, someone came and saw my show and they're, they're a book agent and they want to talk to me and they want to have a meeting and I'm really freaked out about it. And I was like, do you want to write a book? And they were like, no, Christ, I couldn't write a book. And I was like, well, why are you having a meeting with a book agent then? <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? What are you doing? Like, you don't need a literary agent if you're not, you haven't got great plans for this novel or whatever. In five years' time, you might, or 10 years' time, 20 years' time, you might want to write a book. So by that point, you've got 
you know, you've got enough, uh, you will have done enough stuff that, you know, then you have an agent who can then go and talk to publishing houses and do a deal for you. But don't just wait and get better and more options will open up to you. It goes back to to patience. Yeah, Mm -hmm. God, it's patience. And that's the thing. I mean, I've had meetings with acts who are straight out of uni, short student, you know, all that type of stuff. And they've gone, what do you want to do? And you're like, I want to be doing, I want to be doing, like, I want to be doing this, 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 and this within the next two years. And you just go, you're deluded. Like, you're not, (laughs) no, because you're not good enough yet. Like, it's that thing. And again, it goes back to that point of, well, do you think you're going to be better than the people that you're going to usurp on those shows? Like, unique, and you have to be. Like, you have, like, every comic should be aiming to be better than the people that are on TV because that's the only way you're going to get on TV. And you don't have to get on TV. Like, that's another thing. I mean, I will stress that. You could write, and you know. I mean, so, like, I mean, look at Phoebe Waller-Bridge. You know, like, mm. that's another, th- you know, that's another route to, I mean, Jesus Christ, she's in Star Wars. Like, you know, like, it doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, that's, there are, so it's not a route. I mean, she got there through Fleabag, but she got that because she'd written, you know, lots of different scripts, and she she'd had a few scripts optioned before then, and, you know, or someone like that, or, you know, someone like John Kearns or someone like that, you know, they've come out and done these amazing Edinburgh shows when everyone's gone, whoa, what's this? John had every agent trying, like, you know, like it's like the Hunger Games trying to sign John <laughs> Kearns. Everyone's trying to kill each other. Like, you know what I mean? So that's the thing. That's where you want to be. You want to be in that position. So just work, get better, and you'll become undeniable. And then if you don't, I'm sorry to say, this is a, another thing with comedians. Like, I think, I think comedians need to know where their level is. And it's, there's no shame in knowing that. Like, there's no shame in going, yeah, I'm just going to be a really good circuit comic. Like, that's fine. That's a really good job and a really good career. But if that's your level, don't start thinking, oh, why, have I not, why am I not in Hollywood? Why am I not doing... You know what I mean? Like, that's fine. So realisation and hard work is what my advice is. That was Chris, Katja and Andy. I love that. As you will have heard in the episode before this, if you're a diligent listener, we had Mike Leon, and that was kind of kicking off this series of a bunch of different interviews to do with agents. Honestly, covered so much there. I'm not even going to, I don't even know what to highlight. You know, from the advantages of going for a smaller agency to how to avoid looking like an idiot in the way you approach people to when to approach people to just how the American market works different to the British market, just everything in it. I loved this one. I thought this was amazing. I was really proud of it. I hope you got a lot out of it. If you have, please do take a minute and tweet the guests and tell them thank you. They were so giving with their time. They were so patient with the tech issue that I had at the start. Sorry again, guys. I can't thank them enough and I can't thank you enough for listening. So, uh, if you'd like to thank any of the guests, all the links are in the show notes, either on my website or in the podcast notes in your podcast player of choice. Really quick one before we go, I'm hoping to do an Edinburgh Fringe leg up day, which will involve PRs, venues and people who are involved in show production early next year. I'm still trying to sort it out in terms of the venue and the lineups. Please join the Facebook group if you'd be interested in coming down to that. It'll be in London. I'm sorry if you're not in London. I, I can't do it anywhere else. I don't have the budget to do it anywhere else. And also I don't have the budget to travel so um that's the best i can do but if you can't make it and you would like to ask a question 
ask it in the Facebook group and that I will ask it on your behalf. If you can make it, please do come down. It's a great opportunity to network and meet some people you'll be working with if you do the Edinburgh Fringe. Also, do take a minute and please, please, please give us a review in iTunes. They really help out. As well as, if you could share this podcast with someone you think would get some value out of it, that would be amazingly helpful. If you'd like to thank me, my Twitter is this made me cool or you can email me at simon.m.kane at gmail.com all of this is in the show notes by the way don't don't get your pad out and waste any paper right now i've got one more episode coming out this year which is in two weeks time and then i am off until 2018 i say off it's like three days extra i'll be getting out of it because of christmas but if you'd like to send me an early christmas present or birthday present my birthday's on the 20th of this month so if you'd like to send me a birthday present or christmas present please do you can do it via paypal or patreon on my website no donation or present or whatever way you want to look at it is too big or too small all of it helps me out i take days out of paid work to do this and if you can donate i'd really appreciate it i know not everyone can and i know christmas is a hard time for everyone financially but if you can afford a pound or a fiver or a tenner or 50 then i would really appreciate it almost forgot buy my book (laughs) i'm not even gonna bother trying to come up with a clever way of saying this if you're gonna donate towards the podcast if you're gonna donate a fiver or more you can buy my book on amazon or you can just donate to me and in the little description say i was going to donate to the podcast here's 10 pounds please email me back a copy of your book and i'll do that if you just want a copy of the book it's five pound on amazon for a digital or eight pound on my website for a paperback please buy it it's christmas around the corner i'd massively appreciate some merchandise sales please do consider becoming a Patreon because it makes my future planning a lot easier if I have a guaranteed budget per episode. If you are worried that you won't have enough content to listen to over Christmas and you might have to actually talk to your family, God, could you imagine doing that? You can give my other podcast a listen, which is called The Audio Time Capsule. It's where I take a guest, I get them to ask 20 questions, we wait a year, I bring them back on, and then I get them to answer them. I then edit it, I then edit it so they are talking to their past self. Please give it a listen. Please try it out. I would massively appreciate it. Any and all support on my other projects is also really, really helpful. The Ask the Industry podcast and the Audio Time Capsule are Fruit That Got in Gravity's Way productions for the internet. All elements of the Ask the Industry podcast were created by me, Simon Kane. Oh, before I go, I am doing some tour dates at the end of January that are the last couple of ones that I'm doing for the current show, which is Laughter is the Best Placebo. I've got one in Dundee and I've got one in Aberdeen. Dundee is on the 27th and the Aberdeen one on the 28th if you are in the area or you're able to get to that area please come all the details are on my website or in the show notes thank you very much for listening i'll see you all in about two weeks time bye hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince i'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe ethical and responsible manufacturing i love that luxury quality within reach go to quince.com style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order quince.com style When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.